Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. That's staying in, Jeremy, but I was muted, so thank you. You're um, welcome. Adequacy right off the bat, if you know us, that's how we roll here. Just everything stays in. We do it live. We do everything live here. We've got a big POD cast, so we're going to get right to it. So uh, Twitter, at <clears throat> Pride of Detroit, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, Facebook, Pride of Detroit, you know where to find us. It's time to talk all kinds of things of... of uh, I forget the Alice in Wonderland float. Anyway, that, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, is over here, and he's doing a better job than I ever will. So, uh, you say that now, but I am officially getting dragged into NFL draft talk this week. There's there's no avoiding it with the NFL Combine last week. So you didn't already. We'll, we'll, we'll see how I do. Are you ready for spicy takes about quarterbacks? Are you ready to declare that you don't want any kind of athleticism near your quarterback at all? Yes. Okay. Great, fantastic. Ryan Matthews Back is the mother rock guy. at Ryan underscore POD is here as well. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Chris. Um, if you want to hear all of Jeremy's combine takes, you can just listen to another podcast that he does. <laughs> are are, are we we're just both ganging up on him on jealousy now for this? I mean, what's fair is fair. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk NFL stuff sometime. But we got a speaking of talking NFL stuff, though, we've got a fourth guest here. That's right. We have finally I, I was once again floored by this. So we have to offer a deep apology <laughs> and also welcome in Tony Brown, a.k.a. Darth Hippo. Um, I know he's Darth Hippo on Twitch. Are you Darth Hippo on Twitter as well, Tony? Is there a there's no Twitter? There's no Twitter. OK, no, no. Oh, my Twitter is on the screen. Brown oh, underscore Tony one. Oh. Don't follow me. At Brown underscore Tony one. It's just not worth it. Well, here's 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 why we have to apologize, because like 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 Laura from a few from nearly a couple dozen streams ago, your charity drive donation to join us on the podcast was not from the last November, but from several Movembers ago. Thank God. Twenty nineteen. That's what it was. Different time. Hey. There's no expiration date on this coupon, all right? <laughs> Four years, come in and cash it in. We don't care. I will donate all the money that I can find if I don't have to go back to 2019. <laughs> Let's not Yeah, you know, we actually, I think we actually spared Tony, to be completely honest. He didn't have That's to true. talk at all about the Matt Patricia era. You're true. joining us. You're joining us in a very... Uh, <laughs> Very. By the way, that might be that might be Eagles linebacker coach Matt Patricia very soon. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! <laughs> we we can't get into that right now. Directly, we won't have any time. Yeah. Anyway, we yeah we've got a lot. So Tony's going to join us for the first half of this podcast. 
Um, thank you, Tony. Thank you for your donation. Anything you want to plug about yourself real quick before we jump in? Because obviously you've given us generous, generously to our causes. So by all means, and you're, you're like a regular for us here on Twitch for Pride Detroit as well. So floor is yours a, for anything. I think I'm a founder. Uh, I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> I have something cool to share though. Oh, really? What is it? Back in like, I don't know, maybe I was like nine or 10. There was like a celebrity tournament at the high school that my parents worked at. And Herman Moore and Corey oh. Schlesinger both showed up to play basketball. And I got, I had these, these nice lion wow. shoes. And they're wow. old school. And it's a little Rebox. But I got bubbles That's on Herman. there. And we got yeah. Herman Moore on this one. It belongs in the museum. The face mask breaker, Corey Schlesinger <laughs> on this one. I love it. I think I think that shoe should have a neck roll though for your ankle. It should. It really should. A neck roll. A neck roll in there at the around for the for the ankles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Achilles protection. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Kneecaps. Um, I've got a lot to talk about. I've said that about eighteen times now. Uh, we've got some quotes that I want to get into right away, and but I think I'll try to lead it off. I, I'm jumping out of order on this rundown, Jeremy. I'll but I want to, st- uh, but Campbell and Brad Holmes were talking with people this week, and I want to actually start with Dan Campbell. Uh, some of these quotes I think people read too much into, but I think this is an interesting one that Campbell has about free agency. Uh, he says about the roster, quote, we don't need to acquire these high level. You're paying the most for these guys because they're rated the number one guy in free agency at that position. We just need to get better. Let's just get better in the areas we need to get better at and focus on that. I think that's always been the focus. I find that completely reasonable, to be honest. However, because we are also in the business of trying to have topics to talk about, Jeremy, does this mean the Lions are going to be boring in free agency or they're just going to re-sign their own guys? I think it does. I think it kind of does a little bit um, because that's what they've been. And they've seen success doing that, right? Building through the draft. They've had all this high draft capital and they're turning it into good players. And that does seem like a very good way to build yourself out of the trenches, right? The, to to literally start a rebuild, you add a bunch of young players and you get better through that. My question is, does that ever change? Will Brad Holmes ever adopt the aggressive menta- mentality in free agency or, or via trade? Because we sh- we certainly know Les Snead, his protege in, in Los Angeles, did that. And so I'm kind of curious. And Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have both been very consistent in saying, this is who we are. This is who we're going to be. We aren't going to change just because we're in a better position or just because we have more uh, salary cap uh, resources. And I'm a little torn, honestly. Part of me part of me wants to be the big, exciting team in free agency, but part of me also recognizes that teams that win in March don't necessarily win in February, right? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I've been on this podcast before and said, I'm, I'm pro Jalen Rams getting Jalen Ramsey. Um, I think here's the thing. There's a risk for me to being unrisky. You know, the biggest risk of all is never taking that. I'm not quite that, but I think, and listen, being a team like the Packers, being a team like the Steelers, we'd all take that, right? But those are also teams that notoriously don't spend in free agency at all. And they haven't gotten over the hump in a while. They've been kind of stagnant for a while. And listen, if if the Lions want to get to that point for a while, sure, and then take their risks. But I get the feeling like this is going to be a boring team in free agency annually, and, and we're just going to have to get used to that. And I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'm a little torn. Yeah, I, I think to your point, Jeremy, as Lion fans, we've been we've been in the position where the lions have been splashy. Yeah. We've been in the position where Rick Wagner becomes the highest paid right tackle of all time. Sure. Okay. Uh, now I, I agree with you in, in the sense that like the Packers have, you know, sort of plateaued, uh, so to speak, just because of their, you know, unwillingness to do business uh, in March. And the Steelers are kind of the same way. Like you said, I think, with Brad Holmes and and Dan Campbell's approach to free agency, I think it's less about the success they have and more about the way that they're not taking big swings and missing. Because if you do that, then it's Trey Flowers, then it's Justin Coleman, and then it's uprooting a bunch of rot that's on your roster 
that takes years to to kind of break free from. And yeah. the the most important thing they've done right is they've maintained flexibility in the draft. And and I I can't wait to talk about that some more uh, in our second segment. But I think I think the the story here is the Lions haven't made mistakes in free agency, and that's allowed them to keep their flexibility moving forward, even though the successes have been like here and there, right? Like it's like a half season of DJ shark and one good season of Charles Harris and you know, okay. Oh. Cleef Raymond, like Cleef Raymond's a nice little signing. Right. But like the biggest all... swing, the biggest swing and miss they've had is Michael Brockers. Right. I think so. Yeah, yeah. probably. That's not even that um, big of a swing and miss either. It's not definitely not like a Trey flowers kind of situation right. for sure. And, and, and at least there's swings and misses, right? Like, if you want to call Romeo a swing and miss, okay, it's because he tore his Achilles. Or if you want to talk about Charles Harris, it's okay. Like maybe they just got duped into a guy who had a really good, you know, one season, but at the same time, they didn't break the bank for him. So um, I don't know what uh, Tony, what, what do you think of the lions approach to free agency under Holmes and Dan Campbell? Like, are you for it? Or do you want to, do you want them to kind of, I mean, the one team that has done it right is the Cincinnati Bengals and they've definitely benefited from it. Yeah, see, as a fan, I would like the excitement of being flashy in free agency. I think that it just makes the offseason a little bit more fun. I have new guys to root for, new expectations. But also at this point for me, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell haven't done anything to make me not trust them. So whatever they say, I'm just going to kind of take on the gin and say, okay, you know what you're doing. You know, if we go out there and we end up trading for Jalen Ramsey, I trust them because they had the conversation, the sit down with him, and he said, and he had the right mindset for them. And if they don't, then he didn't have the right mindset. And, and I think that I'm just like blindly trusting everything that Brad Holmes and Dave Campbell <laughs> do at this point, which is kind of boring. But I mean, to hell with it. Like we haven't had a good GM in Detroit in my entire life. So I think it's just fun to be happy and stagnant with whatever that they're doing right now and whatever they choose to do. I think it's also a testament to just how good of a Ross of a core they have right now, as far as like, and and how much they trust themselves and development as well like there's definitely places they could get better at but i mean what was the big splashy thing it was shark last year i think yeah, it was probably the splashiest thing they really did yeah um and, and, so yeah i i, I want to be clear like i i think that they're still going to be aggressive in attacking positions of need just not with the elite talent right like no we saw i them don't overturn like, the wide receiver room last year they could very well do that to the corner room this year just not with the top two guys that are out there yeah, I don't think they're going to be attacking the NFL put out their like top 101 free agents. I don't think they're going to be attack attacking like the top 10, the top 10 or even 20 or 30 going after like a James Bradbury or something like that. That would be right. cool if they did, but I just don't I think they I think they understand like it's it's kind of the same thing they did last year, like make the roster good enough to go into the draft without any glaring holes. Yeah. Um Moving on to Brad Holmes, there are two particular quotes we should talk about from him. Um, the real quick one is actually no, I want to I want to switch it around. I want to actually go to the quarterback talk because the whole world got blown up by quarterback in the draft because Anthony Richardson ran uh, like a demon, a ten point RAS card. It has sparked all kinds of hobnobbing craziness. Uh, levels that I wasn't expecting, even though Geno Smith got signed today, Seahawks fans still believe now Seahawks fans are talking about, they want him in a top five. So suddenly six might not even because of what Richardson did at the combine quarterback has suddenly become not just a Bryce young and CJ Stroud, two horse team, a, a race for most people watching the league. Now, granted, we've seen this every year, Sometimes the heat from the combine fizzles out and guys who you kind of expect to go like you, you kind of expect is like, oh, like ever it sounds like it'll be one, two, three quarterbacks. A lot of those times those years don't happen, but that's the atmosphere we've got. And Brad Holmes uh, focused mostly on talking about backup, saying it just makes sense. Obviously, we like Jared. He's our starter. We don't have a lot behind him. But Dan Campbell opened up the door to talk about quarterback at number six. And as always, Jeremy, Ryan, you have to say Jared Goff is your guy. You have to keep doing that. Um, but DC also adds, we also know he's not going to be here for the next 10 years. It's not like Jared Goff 
is a rookie. So certainly our eyes are potentially on a quarterback. The question is, where do you acquire that at? And that's something Dan and I kick around, Brad and I kick around all the time, but we don't feel like we're pressed right now. Jeremy, we talked about this last week. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about how for better or worse, the Packers were always that team who, even though they had a great thing with Brett Favre, they looked to the future and picked up Aaron Rodgers. And if the Lions are a team that's going to compete in the future, if they're going to succeed at their goals of winning the NFC North, this might be the last time they get a top 10 pick. And with value on quarterback, you have to have a top 10 pick these days to get a quarterback of any kind of particular value. I'm not saying that's Anthony Richardson. And I'm not saying that Jared Goff is bad. People apparently think this podcast has an agenda against Jared Goff. But everything he just said is reasonable. Jared Goff is not a rookie. Jared Goff's contract comes up next season, then the season after. And maybe you could franchise tag him. But that's not long-term at all. So everything he's saying is reasonable, but I guess this is where I turn over to Jeremy and say, why do you hate Jared Goff? <laughs> well, no, you're right that everything he said was reasonable. I think it's notable that the first time he's ever no, like talked about this, right? Because here we've heard that the Lions are looking at quarterbacks before, but it's always under the guys. Brad Holmes says, you know, it's just, it's good business to know the quarterbacks when you're picking that high, because it, it might affect the value of your pick. It might affect a trade down ability. It might affect a trade up ability. This is the first time. And I think it's also significant that, that Dan Campbell, the one who's very much more forthcoming than Brad Holmes is the one who said this. He acknowledged life after Jared Goff. That is something that no one in this organization has even come close to approaching. And so do I think the Lions are going to draft a quarterback? The answer is still no, but the Lions are thinking about it. The Lions are acknowledging that that would make sense to at least consider right now. And that's all I want. I want them to know. I want to know that they know quarterback would make a lot of sense this year. If the right guy is there. Now I'm on record already saying, I don't think Anthony Richardson is the guy that you just like, Dan Campbell said it, you don't need to push this decision. And so if you have any doubts about Anthony Richardson, and he is a very complicated prospect here, then you don't do it. You don't have to do it. The only thing pushing you to do it is what you just said. The Lions are going to have this sort of draft capital in the future. Hopefully ever again. I mean, obviously at some point they might, but under Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I don't think they're ever going to have an opportunity to grab a quarterback like this, but they can't push it. And I think Anthony Richardson would be pushed, would be pushing it. But if this hype continues as it does, maybe one of those other guys falls down. Maybe Stroud is there. Maybe Bryce Young somehow falls. I doubt it, but maybe, I mean, and if that's the situation, maybe you're a little bit more certain about those evaluations and you really do have to consider it. Again, I still don't think it's going to happen, but I, I'm happy to hear that they're at least acknowledging that it would make sense for them to consider it. To, to clarify what you're saying though, Jeremy, like you don't think the Lions are going to load up and spend significant draft capital on a quarterback and you they can trade up no no, no. i i oh. well i mean like take one at six or maybe Correct. even move up or, or do something like that like because the other thing about brad holmes comments right is he admitted yeah. to to the media hey i screwed up last season like i i really screwed the pooch by you know going into the season without a backup quarterback because yeah. tim boyle was cut david blau was gone and you know brad holmes essentially mixed baseball metaphors with football metaphors and was like, yeah, we were kind of like sliding into home plate uh, coming into the season because we didn't have a backup quarterback. And that's yep. something that falls on me. He's yep. like, we need to address that. And he said, whether or not that's through free agency or through the draft remains to be seen because he brings up a really interesting point about like, Hey, some quarterbacks in free agency might not be ready to commit to a team until they see what they do in the draft because they want to know, Hey, I'm the backup. Right. Yep. Um, they don't want to get stuck in an awkward position. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll pass it here to Tony. Will you draft Tony? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm on the hype okay. train. 100%. Right. Tony, Tony recognizes Tony. You can't pass up a, a 10 RES. I just don't think you can. <laughs> uh, if, if he's there at six, I think it's worth taking him. Uh, I, w the one sentence that really sticks to me out of Dan Campbell's quote is like, when he's talking about Jared Goff, he says he's bought us time here. Like he, he's not, 
the, even like the short-term plan, like he might be the plan for this year and maybe the next year, but I don't think they have any plans for Jared Goff past his contract. And so I think that it's worth bringing in. If you have a freak athlete like Anthony Richardson, you can bring him in and he can sit underneath, like he's raw athletic power right now. If he can sit underneath Jared Goff for a year or two, I think that that's the best case scenario for me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, too, I know people are immediately going to talk about the completion rating for Anthony Richardson being only in the 50s. That uh, sounds a lot like Matthew Stafford, his first few years of Georgia, too. Just Maybe a little bit. I, well, he spent three years there, sure. Yeah, but like, oh. like uh, let's see here, completion, like uh, 52% completion, 55. He's only a 57% completion career at Georgia. Anthony Richardson was 53.8. So I'm just saying. There's better wide receivers like, like, in the NFL than there is college. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Like I, but like, I, I don't know, like again, the, the topic about the athleticism of Richardson being a bad thing baffles the mind as if there's only two off ramps. That's either Ben Roethlisberger or Vince young. Like I'm not, but again, like the chaos of the top, I think is something that, you can absolutely, the Lions can absolutely take advantage of. The only question is, is how horny teams in front of them are going to get. And it sounds like though, that even the bears are, don't even feel like they're going to get a lot for the first overall uh, pick. I think well, what, if, if he has their GM, he GM's talking a whole lot. Ryan Poles is like, Oh yeah, we're going to get a 20 or 2024 first to 20. But he said two, he said two first. future first rounds for that pick. Right. Yeah, but like usually, what happens from that is that's when when a guy is talking, a GM's talking publicly like that, the end in price is lower than that. Of course, yes, which 100%. is kind of a problem when he's saying that that's like, he, yeah, he better get at least that much. That. Yeah, if you don't get at least that much now, Bears are not gonna like you. <laughs> I just it's, they're fine. They yeah. got all those little Lego bricks. They're building Legoland. Yeah, they're building Legoland over there. Uh, one more quote from Brad Holmes, and then we'll get on to uh, one more topic from the draft. Uh, Jamison Williams came up a little bit. I think. All right. I'm just going to get to the quote. Jamison obviously has to hold up his part and make sure he's doing whatever, everything he needs to do. So it's always accountability on both sides about what about Jamison Williams on his recovery towards, you know, and and playing towards, you know, being a, the, the, the full-time guy that we expect him to be in the NFL. Yeah. Ryan, I don't understand the panic in this. But why don't you taken, understand the panic? <laughs> I under, let me rephrase that. I understand why someone might take some panic out of that, but I, this is, this kind of almost ties to the, to the talk about taking a quarterback. I was having with someone this week. This idea that any kind of criticism towards a player, anything saying like a, a player has to work towards his recovery or a player has to work to ensure his spot on the roster is seen as this uh, slight or doubt. I don't understand. That's the part I don't un like. I see why people might interpret it as that, but I will never interpret it as that myself. And that's what I am confused about that. I see nothing wrong in saying, yeah, Jamison Williams, he's just got to, he's got to work hard to get back that he needs to, to, to full playing. I don't think yeah. that as a sign or a warning. Yeah. This is the perfect example of how things sound versus how things read. If you read Brad Holmes transcript, you're like, Oh, why did he say that about JMO? If you hear Brad Holmes mention that, it sounds like every other thing that comes out of everybody on his coaching staff's mouth yes. about accountability for this football team, right? Like look no further than the, uh, it was the inside the den that they dropped, right, Jeremy? Like yep. they, I mean, they talk about accountability for like a couple minutes and it's not only things that the, that the coaches are saying, it's things like Jared Goff and Frank Ragnar are talking about as well. Right. Yeah. And that's a hallmark of this franchise. And that's one of the ways they've changed the culture is, is accountability. I think Brad Holmes saying this is, is mostly a nothing burger, but it does let you know that he's being held to the same standard that everybody else is on this team. Even though Brad Holmes, you know, traded up 20 picks to get him, and everybody thinks of the world of this guy, but that doesn't matter if you aren't bought into what, is going on in Detroit. Yeah, I just I, I find the concern about Jamison William almost kind of demeaning. Like he's he's a, he's a grown ass man. He, he's a grown adult. 
He knows the kind of work he has to do. Why are you worried on his behalf just because Brad Holmes said something? Yeah. That's the part I don't understand from fans. It's like, well, again, with the Jared Goff and quarterback thing, like the idea that the Jared Goff and the players wouldn't be able to handle a quarterback coming in. Why? They've gone I, through I, adversity. That's any other position has to deal with that. Like, I do think yeah. I, I do think there might be a little bit of concern about maturity just in general with JMO. But I mean, he's a really young kid, first of all, like, sure. um, but like, you know, there were comments a couple of weeks or, or, about couple months after he was drafted saying like yeah we want we want him to stay here during his rehab we don't want him to go out and and hang around with his like we want him in detroit during his rehab and i think some people interpret it as like saying out with the war on people or we don't want him we want him focused here with us like there might be a little bit of that concern in detroit maybe that's a thing maybe maybe this is a small reflection of that but i think ryan nailed it here because when you have a culture that is like so intent on developing itself and, and making sure everyone is in line, you hear these buzz buzzwords from top down and, and responsibility is an accountability are, are tent poles of this organization. And so that's why you see the players and the coaches and the GMs all saying the exact same thing. Cause that is, that's literally printed on the walls, right? It, it's printed on the walls. It's 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 in every single meeting. They they talk about the exact same thing. So there is way too much being read into this. Is there maybe some maturity concerns with with JMO? Maybe sure. But again, young kid coming in with with bright eyes and and thinks he's the shit. Probably he's got to he's got to put in the work. And I think last year was probably a, a pretty big wake up sign that like hey. We know you think you're ready to be in the NFL, but we are going to take it slow with you. You are going to have to put in the work. And I think he knows that. And I think that's just Brad Holmes saying, like, he needs to continue to put in the work just like everyone else is. I, I think back to the the linebacker, you know, the the bloodbath linebacker competition. And 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 one thing that Kelvin Shepard kept saying is like, we're not handed. Like, I know a lot of you think Alex Anzalone is just going to win a, a, a spot. Like, we're going to give it to him. We're paying him the most money. That's not what this is. Like, you're going to have to go out there earning it. And so that's, I mean, that's what Brad Holmes is saying. It's like, JMO, you still have to put in the work and earn the starting position. Obviously he's going to get it, but he needs to put in the work and we need to put in the work for him. And, and that's, that's the other part of it too. Is like Brad Holmes put it on himself too. It says like, there's accountability on both sides. We need to make sure we get him to the place where he's going and JMO needs to accommodate us and, and go there too. Yeah, I think that with the maturity thing with JMO, it really comes down to his personality is just kind of cocky and showboaty. Sure. And I think that that might rub some people the wrong way and thinking, oh, he's immature and he's young and and they're worried about him. But I honestly, I have no, I have I have very high expectations for JMO still next year. I don't think I have really any concerns. I think Jared Goff has shown that if he spends, a, you know, um, an offseason with a wide receiver actually working with them, which he didn't get the chance to do that with JMO last year, I think that right. that's going to, you know, Know, provide a lot of value for Jared and he's just going to have more time with him. So he just like the offense was already grooving when JMO came into it last year. And so I think that he just didn't, wasn't able to find a footing in something that was already pretty well oiled by that point. And um, I just, I want to parse through one thing. Like I know people might take calling JMO a little immature and run with it. I want to, I want to be clear here. The one thing that he hasn't, that he isn't immature on is, is work ethic, right? The dude loves ball. And that's half the reason why they they drafted him, right? Is because he, I mean, they kept saying it, like he was so eager to get out there and play. So he's going to put in the work. I don't think there's any concern at all that he won't put in the work. And I think Brad Holmes even said that if you kind of extend the quote out, it's like, he's a hard worker. He loves football. I mean, he wants to be a gunner out there. He wants to be a, a, a kick returner out there. He'll do anything to play football. So I, I have no qualms about him putting in the work to get to where he needs to be. Yeah, I... Totally co-sign on all of that. Um, last bit of news here I want to talk about, and I think some people in chat wanted to make sure we talked about this. And I know it's a sensitive topic a little bit, but news been out the past week or so about Jalen Carter. Um, I'll give you the legal rundown because I think there's been a lot of confusion about what he is facing. He has to, he's answering two charges, misdemeanor charges, I must add. Not, not, Felony charges, misdemeanor, they're a lot smaller. So uh, two misdemeanor charges, each carrying a potential fine of $1,000 or 
or a maximum of one year jail sentence. I don't see that happening at all. And most legal people I've talked to don't see that part at all. Um, obviously, he still has a chance to uh challenge challenge this in a court and he claims he will get a full exoneration he could negotiate a plea deal down to it but it stems from a reckless driving uh basically a, a street racing incident um that i don't think we originally knew carter was at but uh according to police he was driving a jeep grand cherokee tra- track hawk and against another um, I think it was another member of the University of Georgia football team at the time. Um, it was, it was and a recruiter and a couple of players. A recruiter and a couple of players and two people. Like, long story short, from the incident, two people are dead. Now, I don't think Carter had any role in that, but there was some confusion about whether he was there at the time. And it was a bit of news because he faced these misdemeanor charges before the combine. And he was he, like, he, 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 uh, was able to go to the combine fully. And I believe he will return to Georgia to answer the charges, but it's caused a lot of confusion around Jalen Carter to the point where I think I saw a report from the athletic that GMs are talking about that. He might drop out of the top 10 in the draft. I don't see that happening, but I think it has caused the question of a, if he is there at six, Do the Lions look to him or should the Lions even look at him considering the mess swirling around him right now? Um, I know, Jeremy, you want to be very careful on this topic because, again, we have to be clear. Nobody's been found guilty of anything in this. But it's still like I I have my own words on it, so I'll let you guys get to it. So, I mean, my only take is I don't know Jalen Carter. I don't know if this is a habit of behavior. I know I know he got arrested for speeding before or not arrested. I'm sorry. He mm-hmm. got, got ticketed for speeding before. Um, I, I like to think that I'm a person willing to give people second chances, but this is a little bit more than just, oops, I was speeding, right? Um, the, the, the person who died, the other collision had a very high blood alcohol level. So this, this happened in, in the aftermath of the, the national championship parade. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't, I like, It's just one of those things where I don't know if I think he's well, if he's good enough, a good enough person. I certainly know he's a good enough player to be picked at six overall, but I know this is a regime that some of that other that all that other stuff matters to. And so I don't know. I don't know what his commitment is to football. I don't know. You have to imagine a, a traumatic incident like this will change you as a person. And so I, I like to hope that he's a changed person and, and, Things are, are, are going to be better for him on the other side, but I don't know. So I don't know if I'd be comfortable with taking him at six or not. So a couple of things, right? I, I, I think I think a lot of people want to jump to where there's smoke, there's fire. And a lot of people point to a December report from Todd McShay where he kind of alluded to, hey, there might be some character issues with Jalen Carter, right? And, you know, he, he talked a little bit about, you know, it's early in the process, but he's kind of forewarning everybody that like, hey, does he get along with everybody in the locker room? Like, what's he de- like to deal with? Like those sorts of issues. But after he made those comments, there were so many people that came to like Jalen Carter's defense, former teammates, uh, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, like he he did a deep dive where he found out that Jalen Carter uh, found out that, um, you know, walk-ons at Georgia aren't allowed to eat every meal for free, like players who do have a scholarship. And when Carter found out about that, he made sure that the walk-ons ate every single meal with his scholarship money. So there's just a lot out there with Carter right now, right? And obviously the most pressing one is the one that happens where there's a loss of life. And that's a tragic event in and of itself. You need to see how this is resolved. And to Jeremy's point, none of us know who Jalen Carter is as a person, but the people who will know are Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And I think to Tony's point earlier, I trust those guys to do a solid character eval of who Jalen Carter is. And if Jalen Carter is a guy that they believe in and he slips to six, Brad Holmes is going to get in more trouble for running the card up. I I believe so. I I have no judgment to place on him. I think the story is kind of taken off though because it's sandwiched in between two other incidents 
with players right now. The the first being Brandon Miller from Alabama, who allegedly delivered a firearm to a to someone who was then that firearm then later used in a in a murder. Uh, and then in the later case, the sandwich, uh, what's been happening over this weekend with NBA's John Morant. And actually, the John Moran incidents have been kind of a long stream of things, but they kind of came to a head uh, over near the end of the week slash past weekend. So I think it's amplified the Jalen Carter story. And much like the Brandon Miller thing, there's like Brandon Miller can't be charged with anything because there's nothing on the books to charge him with. But it becomes a question regardless, because at the end of the day, someone is dead. So the only question I would have is just a matter of, and this is kind of you know what to, what, to, what Jeremy's talking about because I, it's funny you say that uh, or sorry uh, what what you guys are talking about there about Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell should know this stuff and like I think the NFL will do their investigation to it too. Uh, funny enough, oh I heard past week uh, Carmelo Anthony actually had a podcast where he was talking about his run-in with David Stern when he got suspended and David Stern was like, I know where you, I, I know where you sleep. I know who your friends are and I know what your friends are up to. Do you want to play basketball or do you want to be out in the streets? And that was David Stern. He's a bit of a hard ass, but I think if you're getting into football and I'm not saying Jalen Carter likes to race, but if, if it does come out that there is maybe something where it's like, yeah, he, he likes to race on the side. You have to understand like, that's a risk to your football career. I'm not saying it is, but it is something that people need to do the homework on is like, I, I, I dis I dispute everything about character issues. Care people can be complicated things. People, they can be very good people and also like to do something on the side that might be dangerous. And that's fine. But if teams are investing millions of dollars into you, I think they have a right to know that about you and ask that uh, you prioritize one thing or over another. And so that's that's all it is. Like, I don't think like I, I've been uh, shocked to see people believe that he's going to go to jail for this or something. I don't no legal expert I've I've been able to talk to has said that that's on the table at all, even especially on misdemeanor charges. The, the, the so. two things I want to say real quick, I, I think the, the first one is the the i think a, a lot of the concern with him right now is the way that his story changed and with you know him you know being at an apartment first but then he was trailing them and 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 the story changed i get it like i understand you know being in probably a position that um you know i i guess i understand it from a point of if you are facing an authority figure and you know, you were probably doing something that you shouldn't have been doing, even though you weren't fully like responsible for it or anything, maybe your story shifts just because you're like, dude, I didn't do anything. Okay. And and there's this concern that I, I'm going to be an NFL football player and I'm going to be a star. And if, if anything like this is attached to me, that can only be bad for me. I, the, the other thing is I can't even remember their names, Jeremy, but the lions and this regime literally hit, they dealt with drunk driving yeah. and, and yep. obviously they were, you know, they were undrafted free agents and they were players who, you know, probably didn't stand a chance of making of the roster. But the reason Alan I don't Trump's remember trouble their, and all that. Yeah. 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 The reason I don't remember their names is because the lions had a zero tolerance policy with it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, Al Alex Brown, by the way, if anyone is interested, is, yeah. is the one who was driving. Commit and that to memory. Charlie Tomopeo was the, the passenger who yeah. got hurt. We are over time, so uh, we do need to wrap up here. Uh, Tony, um, any final words? Uh, thank you so much for all your support through these yeah. years. But um, Hey, thanks for having me on. This is the hat, too, that I won during that raffle back in Oh, wonderful. That's right. It's signed by old Lions running back coach Kyle Kasky. Yeah. Now, now two, which is now two running back coaches ago. Sam. Yeah, now two wow. running back. I was I was gonna <laughs> say, like, I need to go is... get I need to go get Deuce Staley and whoever the new one is and need right. to sign this as well. Just 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 keep an ex a succession of names yeah. on there. <laughs> It'll be a unique hat. I don't think uh, anybody else is gonna have a hat with running back coach. Uh, it's like signatures. those brown it's like those Browns jerseys with like names of all the quarterbacks descending <laughs> yeah. upon it, but hopefully in a better Light. But anyway, before we get out of here uh, for this particular segment, uh, we do need to let you know that the righteous that the pride. Wow. Okay, Chris, 
speak. The Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. That's right. Not the Righteous podcast. The Pride of Detroit podcast brought to you by Righteous Felon. That is the right way to say things. Yes, because Righteous Felon is two have two ounce bags of jerky, 16 to 20 grams of protein, meat sticks for eight grams. We found out new flavors too, Jeremy. They got new teriyaki and pepper jerky and taco flavored meat sticks. Yeah. And by the way, if, if, if righteous felon wants to pay us enough to be righteous felon presents the POD cast, I will gladly change our name. We're open to renegotiating. We are open to restructuring <laughs> this contract like a good NFL player. Do you right. want to know why? Because righteous felon is available to fuels. Your Detroit lions is available to the players, the training facilities at Allen park. Uh, by the way, those training facilities got pretty good grades in the, uh, in the uh, NFLPA report card. I, I we'll, we'll talk about that in a scrap sometime. Cause I'm fascinated by that report card. But uh, yeah, and guess what? We've also got a promo code for you. POD15. Get 15% off. That's what the 1-5 stands for. POD15. 50% off your order at RighteousFelon.com. Go there. Righteous Felon, best, based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Locally sourced, all natural, black Angus beef. Prides themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors. Truffalo Bill. What's the new uh, teriyaki one called? Teriyaki Balboa? That's right. That's right. I need to get me some of that. But that's it. Uh, coming up next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we're going to talk some of our favorite players, our winners, and sleepers from the Combine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday Detroit POD cast. Thanks again to, uh, to Tony for joining us for donating that. And we will catch up on all our people who are going to be our uh, charity guests here through the years, our backlog <laughs> as quickly as we can. But I think for this second segment, since we went long there, we want to talk about some combine winners and sleepers. Yes. The NFL combine did happen. Yes. It doesn't mean everything in the world for some of these people, but yes, it is exciting all the same. And yes, there are some guys who've probably gotten onto our radar that we weren't even thinking about. And yes, maybe that's a bit of an overreaction because athleticism or whatever, but we don't care. So I think we've stru- structured this, Jeremy. It's both winners. These can either be winners or they can be like sleepers, personal sleepers, guys who weren't on your right. radar before who you're now going to pay more attention to. And we've got one of each of us for offense and defense. Is that correct? That's right. We'll talk about some other combine stuff on top of it, too. But uh, yeah, so where do we want to start with this? By the way, I think we already set the rule here that I'm not allowed to talk about Anthony Richardson in this segment either. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, everybody. We're not going to talk about him on every segment until the NFL draft. Until he's drafted by the Lions. <laughs> We're already doing it again. Anyway, uh, how do we want to start? How do we, we want to go like each of ours for offense? You just want to go individuals like down the list, yeah. Jeremy Reisman, Chris. Let's let's do let's all do our offensive pick first. Who wants okay. to go first? I think we all kind of, it, this is kind of neat because I feel like we all kind of uh, try to find different positions, each and yeah. every one of us, too. So. All right. I, I, I was going to say uh, the, the other thing that I noticed about all the players that we picked are all players that the lions might be interested in yeah yeah in one way or another yeah positionally yeah yeah <clears throat> go ahead jeremy you kick it off i i'm going to turn in my wolverine card right away and oh, say no. that i was impressed Yoink. by michigan state wide receiver jane reed um and that's putting aside the whole like weird eye infection thing that he played through which was a, a crazy story in and of itself but he's a guy that that showed out at the senior bowl and i kind of raised an eyebrow i mean like oh I don't remember seeing that sort of stuff when Michigan beat him, uh, you know, uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> but again, like he put up crazy numbers at the NFL combine. 
Uh, and you just, I don't know. I look at the kind of player he is. And I think, I think like, listen, the lines don't need a slot. They don't need a, a shifty guy necessarily, but I think of maybe like a long-term Khalif Raymond type of player with a much higher upside. They could use someone like that uh, within their depths and not, not that there's anything wrong with the Khalif Raymond right now as, as it is. But I think, I think Jane Reed is just, he's got a little more shake than I thought he did. And, and the fact that he put up the the numbers that he did <clears throat> at the combine, let me pull up his RAS card. Cause I know it's, I, I believe it's in the nines, uh, nine, well, eight, Oh no. Uh, I'm looking good. Go, go I, I was going to add while, while you took a look at things, I, I think the reason why this kind of makes sense for the lions um, in terms of having a wide receiver like him on their radar is because like you said, you know, Hey, maybe you might be looking for like life after Khalif Raymond, but at the same time, the lions have, I'm on Ross St. Brown. They have Josh Reynolds. They have JMO. But beyond that, in terms of where they are long term, this could be questions. a guy. This could be a guy who who could potentially fill a role. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 I think he has. I mean, he's probably not a prototypical outside receiver, but I think he can have a little bit of more versatility than than some people are are maybe. I don't know fitting him in a certain box. I, I don't know if he can be a wide receiver too, but I think, I think there's more to him than I thought going into this draft. So he's my sleeper slash guy. I want to pay a little bit more attention to maybe go back and watch some film of his. Yeah, I I'll, I'll jump right in and I'll say my off um my player on offense that I was, it, it, it wasn't somebody who just like burst out of the scene for me. It was somebody that I was keeping an eye on, but now it's a player that I actively want the Detroit Lions to try to <laughs> nab up in the draft. And it's Georgia's tight end, Darnell Washington. Yep. He had a 9.78 RAS overall. We're going to keep doing, we're going to keep plugging Kent's scores because he's a friend of ours. But I, I, I like this from you, Ryan. I, 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 I hope I'm not interrupting on anything here, but like, um, I, I think sleep, I know that. I know the hesitancy to pick up anyone at tight end, just given the track record of the Lions in the past of drafting tight ends, but it is a need. And Washington does have that kind of size. He has great speed. And I I, I think the Lions could really use like an upgrade there at tight end to like on a day two to just round out the offense and add some more blocking. Like I don't want them to keep going to six lineman sets. Yeah, I, here's the thing about Darnell Washington, though. He effectively is an extra tackle on the field. Yeah. Like going into the season, big. he's big. There, there were people who were talking about like maybe Darnell Washington, if it doesn't work out for him at tight end, he could transition to tackle because he's 6'6", 264. He is a huge mountain of a man and he has 11 inch hands. And those were on full display when he made one of the most spectacular catches that I've ever seen, literally stabbing a ball out of the air, one handed against the grain. But that's not what he's known for. And that's not what his role would be in Detroit. His role in Detroit would be we're going jumbo and we can do it a lot more often because we have a guy who, as I mentioned, 6'6", 264, but runs a 4'6", 4, has incredible agility for his size, this is a guy who broad jumped <laughs> 10. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. You get a guy like Darnell Washington out on the field, and a lot of people might think, okay, he's just in there for blocking. <laughs> you're, you're telling me he can't do what Brock Wright did last year and do it even better than him because he has all the intangibles and all the athleticism? Like, he is a guy that, how many times have the Lions taken a tight end of the first round and it's been just an absolute disaster? At 18, I'm at least entertaining the idea of it. That's like I'm open to it. Over Michael that, Mayer from Notre Dame. Like that which which that might was, be the way to go. I'm tired of thinking about Notre Dame tight ends. So to me, that's that's the question though, because he was already, I think, like a, a borderline first round talent going in, and now I think he might be a bona fide first round talent going in. So if you want him, you might have to take him at 18. Or trade down if there's some sort of trade down scenario where the lines are maybe picking in the twenties, maybe it's a little more tolerable there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I've got a couple names here. These are kind of later na- later day names I could give you, uh, mostly on the offensive line for the two. I've got the the main one I want to get to is uh, well, first off, I might as well say there was some news today that uh, Andrew Vorkis 
from USC tore his uh, ACL at the combine, which is yeah. awful news. He was a very well-regarded guard prospect, and I was originally going to write about it until, I mean, uh, like write him down here until I saw the news. I think he still gets drafted, but it kind of really upsets the timeline. But another, but keeping it in LA, there's another prospect that you can look. I think I've seen people grade him around the fifth fifth round. But honestly, he had such a good uh, combine. I could see him moving up to like probably even the fourth, maybe third. And that's uh, UCLA's John Gaines, the second. Uh, Aria scored 9.95, um, which uh, Kent notes, this is eight out of 1,309 guards from 87 to 2023. Um, he's a little on the smaller size, but he's got... He's played all, well, first off, flexibility. He's played all three uh, line positions, 6'3", 300 pounds. Um, but he moved really well in the short shuffle, uh, in the short shuttle, excuse me. Um, and this could be someone like, look, the Lions at some point have to address their interior, uh, especially life after Halapula Vadi Vaitai. I don't think this is a top guard prospect, but he's someone who could be a bit of a project for you. Someone you could like stick on the depth. And again, with that kind of versatility under his his belt, he's someone I want to go back and look at the UCLA uh, tape on and someone I want to talk to my UCLA people about, about <laughs> how well he played in college, because I think that could be someone very valuable for the depth for the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you, and you just highlighted two things that the Lions covet a ton, which is versatility on the inside that can play any of those positions and speed, athleticism. They love pulling guards like part of their their gap zone scheme is about pulling guards and and, and having them make sure they're athletic and strong. And so it's got the traits. I, I, I can't speak much to his game film, but the things that you mentioned are things that the Lions like. So wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see them take a late round flyer on him. I also kind of found little, little enough with, uh, I know he plays tackle, but uh, Cody Mouch or Moach. <laughs> you just love him and his gap tooth smile. Gap tooth and giant red burning hair. The fact <laughs> Jer- uh, Ryan mentioned earlier about like converting from lineman to tight end. He converted from tight end to lineman. He's just a goofball. I He's not a bad player, but I feel like no, he's getting no, overhyped no, no, because I'm he's just, a goofball. Just, yeah, he's. I think he had like an 8.7 on RAS. But anyway, so I think that's it for our uh, offense. Uh, Ryan, you want to kick us off on defense? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> this is truly somebody who really wasn't on my radar at all because there are a few names that admittedly and deservedly are being thrown around for the lions um, at pick six and, and, and at pick 18 over the past few months at cornerback. And those are the names like, you know, Christian Gonzalez, who somebody, I mean, lit the combine on fire and uh, you know, walked away from it in, in dramatic fashion. Uh, Devin Witherspoon is somebody who, you know, gets a lot of attention for the lions at six Um, Joey Porter jr. From Penn state as well. But there was another Big Ten cornerback that arguably had maybe outside of Anthony Richardson, the most impressive performance at the combine. Um, And that is Maryland's uh, Deontay Banks, who is a cornerback. Um, Just incredible numbers. I mean, put up a 9.99 RAS score. So about as good as you can. Runs a 4.36, a vertical jump of 42 inches. I mean... I went back and I watched some of the highlights, so I haven't watched the tape, so to speak, but he is a guy who is physical. He he plays at the line of scrimmage. He's a good tackler. He's a willing tackler. But this is somebody who I think before he has this explosive combine performance, he's a guy who's like, he's a second round pick or he's, you know, maybe second, third round pick. Um, I think on the consensus uh, athletic board that they last updated towards the, uh, the end of February, um, Deontay Banks was ranked 64 uh, in the top 100. So this is a guy who legitimately has like first first round rub now. And if the Lions decide if they move back, um, you know, if if they're drafting at the end of that first round, maybe they move up into it for whatever reason. The Lions have a huge need at cornerback, Jeremy, and this guy has athleticism out the out the wazoo. And then on top of that. Like I said, from watching some of the highlights, 
looks like a Dan Campbell guy in terms of a guy who loves to play football, loves to hit, loves to loves to get his nose into things. So Bumble's totally a guy course. who just popped up on my radar too. Yeah, yeah, yeah and his six size two, too, right? Six yeah. two. Um, yeah, and, and I think you know, I think most people are circling the lines, grabbing one at six or grabbing grabbing one at eighteen. But if they decide to go kind of that luxury route of whether they they grab a quarterback or they grab a running back or they grab a tight end and corners still a need this is a deep class and i think that's a great like tier two guy that the lions could target with their their first second round pick if he lasts that long right yeah yeah let me give you one who might be a pick at number 18 um i was kind of shocked i think he's kind of worked he maybe has worked himself into i don't know how far he was on defense down on defensive tackles jeremy um Someone asked me if he's like past Jalen Carter at this point. I don't think that's the case, but this is someone who could definitely be at play at 18. And I definitely, he wasn't on my radar at first, but that was, that is Pittsburgh's uh, Kalijah Cansey, who ran the fastest time for a defensive tackle at the, uh, at the combine. What was the, I just had it up. 2002 or 2003 since 2000, since 2000, 467. Combine that plus the fact that he's from Pitt. Instant <laughs> comparisons to Aaron Donald. Yeah. Instant stir fried. He doesn't have an RAS score because he didn't do the explosive testing or agility. Um, now, granted, Kent's, Kent's numbers did say he, he grades very poor as far as just measure uh, size. Uh, very low on height Again, and weight. He, yeah. Same thing as Aaron Donald, right? Right. Undersized, extremely athletic guy. That went to that went to Cal. And I know that the Lions want to be big up the middle, but like I think first off, I think Daniel Jeremiah and his coach Pat Narduzzi both said this guy's gonna light up the combine for you know before he went there. And like a guy a guy like that who can shoot gaps is incredibly valuable for someone like the Lions as you know, if you want to beef up the pass rusher again, like I I understand he's not going to be, he doesn't really fit with McNeil or he's not really a nose tackle or a big body. You can put up front, but if you've got, you know, if it's time to rush the passer on a third, on third and distance, like throw him in there. Yeah. And, and if, if they get, here's the thing, Aleem makes them versatile. If they want a quick twitchy guy up the middle, they can throw Aleem at the nose and he can clog up some space while they get a more twitchy guy. Now, I I, I I don't know. I don't know what I think about this guy, because I do think like people are way too eager to make the Aaron Donald comparison just because he's under. I think it is too. Like, and I, just because he yeah. went to Pitt. Right. Um, the the production isn't anywhere near on the level that, that it was with Aaron Donald. But no, in his pick career, he had there. like he had like three three seasons, 91 tackles, 16 sacks, three pra- three pass I mean, breakups. for That's fine. That's the fine. That's, yeah, that's great. Thirty four and a half tackles for loss. Like it's it's fine. Yeah, I, I think the question is, do, are you willing to spend a fir- the, your later first round pick on him or can you may or is he someone who like if he falls to day two, you're just going to snap up as soon as he's there? It might be one of those things where maybe like, I don't know, Holmes could even trade up for it. I it, he's he's hard for me to gauge. What I'm interested in right now is I'm it's hard for me to gauge where he's going to go. Yeah. And and listen, when when you come off a combine and you have an extremely athletic like guy like that his stock is is going to be very high right now it'll probably cool off by the time we hit april sure um let me stick on the defensive line because i think i think maybe the guy that had the best overall combine of anybody like we we know the quarterbacks get a bunch of praise you know Bijan gets a lot of praise for for his athletic traits uh i think i have to go with eddie tommy wa eddie barre the uh the, you practiced that for a while i did the edge rusher slash uh i think he can kick inside too from northwestern and the reason why i don't think he gets enough attention is because as an edge rusher he finished i think fifth fifth or sixth in his 40 time and that's what everyone obsesses over by the way finishing fifth and si- fifth or sixth is good that's with still a four, really four, good. nine yeah he was but on my short list at, too he did it at 282 yeah, most this is the other he, edge he's guys. on my short list here for to talk about this too because like most, the man's a yes. monster. Most of these other edge guys that are running in the four fours, they're at the two fifty mark. They're they're two hundred fifty, maybe two sixty. No one's at two eighty two doing this. It in in relative to his size, that is an insane score, just absolutely ridiculous. And you look at the ten split, which was unofficial, but also in like the ninety eighth percentile. Everything this man did. Was the the jumps 
again, 94th, 95th percentile. He's just an athletic freak, but he's got the size. So he can be on the edge. You can slide him inside. If you're not committed to John Kaminsky long-term, if you have any questions uh, about um, Josh Paschal in terms of long-term, or you just want depth at that position, nothing wrong with having depth. What have we said this whole entire offseason? Yeah, edge is looking pretty good right now, but you can never have too much of a good thing, especially when it comes to the defensive line. He's a guy, but again, like we're, it's kind of going right into that blind spot. This is a guy who was maybe a third round prospect going into the off season. He kills it at the senior bowl. Like one of the biggest standouts in the senior bowl. Now he kills it at the combine. And now again, maybe this is artificial inflation with, with recency of bias, but I think he's sliding into it. And like now, not just day two talk, but like maybe end around one. And that's kind of like the blind spot between, you know, 18 and you know, whatever the lines two second round picks are, I'm assuming they're towards the forties. Yeah. Yeah. In the forties. So there's, there's a big 20, 30 player gap there that I don't know if they're going to have an op, uh, an opportunity to grab this guy, but um, I I think he was the biggest winner of the combine period. Yeah. I have one more guy too, but. Oh, I I was going to say real quick to to your point about, um, about kind of him emerging with a a great senior bowl performance in the combine. This might be one of those effects too, where it's like Northwestern was just like a bad football team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, nobody was sitting there watching N- NU football. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not getting a lot of pub. You're not getting a lot of rub. And um, he's a guy. And, and to his 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 bench too, right? Like a strong dude. Like put up 27 reps, um, which was uh, which was a good number for for him as well. So, like you said, kick inside. Really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And as, as our, our chatter Indognito mentions, says this guy was playing hard late in games, even when Northwestern was one in 11. Culture fit. Yeah. Culture fit right there. Uh, the other guy, and I'll, I'll make it short on this guy since uh, you guys mostly didn't say two guys. Uh, I got into linemen, so you can. Fair. Um, so, you know, I, you guys know I don't go hard into draft mode really until the NFL combine. So, in a way, I, I feel like that that frees up my mind a little bit, and maybe this is me just rationalizing bad habits. But Daniel Scott, the safety out of Cal, is someone who I knew nothing about. I didn't see any of his athletic scoring. All I saw was the, the on-field drills with this guy. And he was... Yeah, yeah. Be, be honest, he, though. Much, much like much like uh, Adewabare, like, you're not watching Cal football. No. And I, I, I'm not watching college football in general, so... Yeah. Um, most of these guys are... I have to go back and, and watch them, but... Uh, Daniel Scott, the man moves like water out there on the field, like the the hip flipping drills, back pedals, change of pace, like no wasted motion. This guy is just so fluid out there and test it. And, and then I went back and looked at his testing and, of course, off the charts. He had one of the best, I think, the second best 40 amongst the safety class. The trick with him, though, is he's 25, I think. So in a lot of ways, this is like a, a Chase Lucas kind of sign. And and actually draw a lot of comparisons to Chase Lucas because he's athletic. He's a he's a uh, a captain. He's a high, highly intelligent guy out there. You look at some of his tape that I've seen and he's very instinctive out there. So he's a smart player with athletic traits who's who's, you know, 25. He's going to be a pretty mature guy out there on the team. So, you know, you want to take like a second stab at a Chase Lucas type late in this draft. I'd say keep your eyes on Daniel Scott. Guys, we did it. Like we had a an in-depth de- draft. Oh my talk. God, look at us. We are NFL scouts now. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't this the dream of every blogger to just be scouting? Dudes be scouting? It's the wrong dream for me then. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got through all of them. We didn't, and we got through all of this without talking too much about Anthony Richardson. The one person who wants to talk about him keeps on bringing him up. <laughs> I really want to talk about him. We have so many more weeks to talk about Anthony Richardson, Chris. Well, we did it last week, so I'm like, just I'm I'm fine. I'm not charged up again yet. If somebody if somebody wants to put together some music, a little musical composition, oh, you know, God, just like with kind of like to a talk, you know, um, you got to think about something clever. Richard with season. Richardson. Richard season. Come on, let's go. Chris, nobody Chris does nobody does things work i know nobody does things for me anyway like i'm 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 the nobody on this podcast anyway so like my obsession is not gonna stick let's get out of here what what was that face <laughs>
Oh, we're still live, are we? Well, it's still sure. rolling. I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, this has been the POD cast for myself, Chris Perfett, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews. And by the way, thank you again to Tony and every all of our generous donors during Movember, which will be coming again in just a mere uh, eight months. We hope to have you then. We hope to have you at all times in between. Uh, no POD cast next week. We will have a a free agency preview for you, though, later in the week. And we'll have mailbag coming and potentially a first bite as well. With someone whose name I've, we've mentioned on this podcast more than Anthony Richardson. About the same. About the same. What are we doing? We'll see you starside. Goodbye, everyone. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.